welcome to Matt's Crummy Comics Collection. I am Matt, and this is the general release episode for April 2018. And this, of course, as most of you know by now, is the series where I pull one of the oddball slash off-brand slash not-your-typical-run-of-the-mill comics from my collection, talk about it, and see why on earth I bought it, and better yet, why I am still keeping it. So, this episode is featuring... Count Ducula, number one, from Marvel Comics, published November 1988. This is the comic title based on the animated series Count Ducula. The Ducula animated series debuted in September of 1988, and the comic obviously followed just two months later. I couldn't find if this was a planned large-scale marketing tie-in to promote the cartoon or... Just an opportunity, excuse me, to license a colorful, funny property that, by all appearances, would work well for a comic. So, no confirmation of either side of that theory. I really don't know if it, again, was just released in conjunction with as a marketing tool or just because it was a good subject. Now, the animated show, Ducula himself, was a spinoff of the series Danger Mouse. Duckula, which is, if you know the theme song, hard not to say Duckula, but Duckula ran for four seasons and had a total of 65 episodes. It was made by Cosgrove Hall Films, the company that also did Danger Mouse, naturally. They did a ton of other animated films as well, but most of them, if not all of them, I have never heard of. And considering that this is a British company, that makes sense. I'm sure any of our listeners or anyone listening in Great Britain probably know Cosgrove Hall films way better than I do, but their titles, I didn't recognize many of them. They did do a film, a stop-motion animation story for Terry Pratchett's Truckers. Now, I haven't seen this, but at least I know the title and the story. I'm a big Terry Pratchett fan and know most of his work, so there was something I recognize, but again, haven't seen anything else outside of Duckula and a very little bit of Danger Mouse. The creation of Duckula was started after Nickelodeon had acquired the U.S. broadcast rights for Danger Mouse in 1984. Head of Nickelodeon, Jenny LeBron, approached Cosgrove Hall Films about a new series, and upon seeing just a picture of Duckula in Brian Cosgrove's office, she insisted that that was what she wanted right there on site. The show started pretty strong with a 26-episode run in its first series, spanning from 1988 to 1989. It dropped significantly in episode numbers to 19 in series two that that spanned from 1989 to 1990 it dropped even further with just 13 episodes in the third season that ran over 1990 and 1991 and it returned for a very brief series four or four season in 1993 with just a mere seven episodes it did fairly well in the home video market on both vhs and dvd and Alternative Software created a home video game for the ZX Spectrum, Commodore 64, and Amstrad CPC. And along with all that, the 15 issues of Count Duckula Comics by Marvel, spanning from 1988 to 1991. So, why did I buy this? I bought this because I love the Count Duckula series. When we finally, and I mean finally, got cable in my house, which was in my senior year of high school, 
Duckula was one of the very first things I set the VCR to record. It would play in the early afternoon when I was at school, so I'd have it waiting for me during the week at the time it was running on Nickelodeon when I would come home, and that was kind of my decompression from school and into the homework that I would never do. So as far as getting the comic and this one I'm talking about, issue one, I bought this and the following three issues, so issues one, two, three, and four, at a toy convention here in Orlando just... And it had to be two years ago. It wasn't the last one I went to. I know the convention it was, and it was the second time I'd gone, and it was not this past one. So, yes, it was about two years ago at this point. So, some of the vendors at this convention, it, it was a toy convention by name, but some of the vendors had comics, uh, magazines, and whatnot along with their toys. This This particular vendor had mostly comics. And I was going through some of the cheap bins because the main titles, the Marvels, the DCs, and everything else, those were pretty full of people looking through because it was just about the only primarily comic vendor there. So as I'm ducking through the, the cheap stuff waiting to get to the other bins, I happened upon these four issues of Ducula for almost next to nothing, and I grabbed them. Surprisingly enough, there wasn't a huge demand for Ducula comics at this convention. So, all right, let's take a look at the cover. The cover, it's it's completely on model in every detail. The Count Ducula logo, the him with his kind of shoulder shrugged and hands out that is the the freeze frame for the cartoon. If you know the cartoon is drawn right from the animation cell. Ducula himself, again, completely on point. There's let's let's see if I can describe this best I can. He is standing in front of a fireplace, and on the mantelpiece, there's a skull and a couple of, of uh, like oil lamps with cobwebs growing from them. There's a mouse who's standing just slightly behind the skull, and he screams, a vampire, and there's a, inside the, the uh, fireplace, there is a fire raging, and Duckula is kind of recoiling, frightened, says, well, where? So that's the joke, and like I said, every bit of this from the title down is is right on model no artist interpretation of the character they are going from the uh, was it cosgrove hall animation models whatever they whatever you i guess it's a model or a or reference maybe some kind of reference for these models they are clearly and as it's seen throughout this comic they are clearly drawing from those reference pictures all right, so let's get into this. So again, if you're familiar with the comic, the start of this, it doesn't stray too far, if if at all, from the concept of the cartoon. And I guess, I don't know if you call it the pilot or the first episode, I don't know what you call it, a pilot in the cartoon, but the very first episode of, of Ducula, not too far from the story that we're being told in the comic. In fact, it starts off with the same prologue in print rather than hearing the voiceover. It says, behold, Castle Ducula, home for centuries of vicious vampire ducks. I think the only thing missing there is he said uh, dynasty or dynasty in the cartoon. But other than that, it's, it's exactly how the cartoon starts out. So in the comic, in the story, I'm not going to, I'll just say one more time, much like the cartoon, I'm not going to keep making the comparison because then I'll be stopping after every one of my notes. So let's get that out of the way. It is the night of the 100-year ceremony where the castle caretakers, Igor and Nanny, are resurrecting a new count from the Ducula bloodline. They're at the point of adding the blood to a coffin that is in the ceremonial setup that they've put together. 
Igor calls for a bottle of red liquid, to which Nanny grabs a bottle of red liquid, and it happens to be catsup. And I have to make the distinction. It is the C-A-T-S-U-P catsup, not ketchup, but catsup. For anyone that is a Simpsons fan, that you'll know why that's important. So Igor pours the bottle in to the coffin before realizing what it is, that it's that it's ketchup, but it's too late, and poof, the next Count Ducula is made, and next page we get the issue credits and the full title, and the full title of this particular story is Count Ducula in a Minor Fallop, F-O-W-L for foul. We also get the credits. The credits for this particular issue are Michael Gallagher is the writer, Warren Kremer, pencil and inker, Grace Kremer, letterer, G. Ruscio and W. Kremer, colorist, Sid Jacobson, editor, and Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. So, now we have, we go back into the story, we have Ducula popping out, actually, it's it's in the same page. Ducula is kind of center of the page, screaming, I hunger, I'm going to say screaming, because it's all in caps and in big red letters with an exclamation point. Igor offers to retrieve a villager for him to bite, but what Ducula actually craves is a tossed salad. And... I'm going through my notes and paging through the comics and not entirely sure if it's spelled out, but an ongoing thing that was in the comic and the character is that he's a vegetarian. In fact, it's in the theme song. And since we didn't get a theme song version of the comic, I'm going to point that out now. Although if it's in my notes later, apologize or apologies for doubling my, or doubling <laughs> the information, but um, kind of for some of these jokes, it's, it's uh, good to know he's a vegetarian. So that joke fell flat because if you didn't know that, or I should say not because, but if you didn't know, or the fact that I didn't tell it very well, which is probably a problem as well. So Igor is a little uh, put out, a little frantic about this. He needs to find a way to teach his new master his lineage. And he starts by playing a funeral march on the castle organ to kind of set the mood for what he needs to teach him. Ducula is actually drawn to the music, but to Igor's dismay, it's not the brooding uh, funeral march or anything like it. He actually breaks into a tradition of Good Golly, Miss Molly. The music is apparently blasting because we see giant notes and uh, whatever the bars. Yeah, bars, music bars blaring from the castle as a, or I should say the character, Dr. Van Goosewing is walking by and he happens to be the world's greatest vampire hunter. And we're told that in a little box in the uh, frame that he's in, or panel, excuse me, panel that he's in. Von Goosewing turns on his vampire detector and confer- confirms that there is a vampire once again in Castle Ducula. So he is going to sneak in and take care of this before it comes a problem by sneaking into the castle through the basement. Now, back inside the castle, Ducula has moved into a rendition, a rendition, I should say, of Great Balls of Fire, and Igor is pleading with him to stop because Nanny has now begun to dance. While Ducula asks, what's the harm in that? And he quickly learns the answer without a verbal explanation as the clumsy Nanny falls down the stairs and as she hits the bottom, begins to crash through six floors of the castle and then squarely lands in the basement on top of the sneaking in Dr. Van Goosewing. So now we cut up to a little later in the story and we're up several floors inside the castle and Igor is showing Ducula portraits of his ancestors. 
Dracula is frustrated and bored. He wants to do something fun. So Igor introduces him to the mystical coffin. Now, this mystical coffin, another story element that needs to be explained, is that it can transport the entire castle anywhere in the world instantly. So Dracula is pretty excited about this idea. He steps into the coffin and says almost casually, so this can take us anywhere from here to outer Mongolia. And Igor does a palm face because as commanded in the mystical coffin, the castle is transported instantly to outer Mongolia. So now in outer, outer Mongolia, Dracula looks out the window to get a good look at it. And he's immediately lassoed around the neck and pulled out of the castle, captured by Attila the hen. I had to make sure I said that right. So you got the, you got the uh, joke hen. All right. I think you see where this is going here on the, the cast characters. If you hadn't already, Igor and Nanny come outside. They're also captured, and the three are marched down to down the hill. They're going to a special dinner, a dinner of boiled castle demons. Meanwhile, back in the castle, and I remember that Goosewing is still there. He regains consciousness and picks up his vampire detector so that he can pick up on the trail of Ducula. Von Goosewing makes it to the Attila the Hens camp. He sees Ducula, Igor, Nanny tied up, sitting in a large boiling pot that's over a fire. Igor explains to Ducula that this is the sworn enemy of the Ducula family. It's the vampire hunter, Dr. Von Goosewing. Goosewing is actually pleased to see the end of the Ducula legacy. With this new information, Ducula kind of formulates an on-the-spot plan and replies to uh, Von Goosewing's... Uh, what's a, I, oh, I hate when I do this. I had the word on the tip of my tongue. Goosewing's... <laughs> pleasure that wasn't the word i wanted man i hate when i do that but he replies by saying it's too bad that attila the hen is going to get all the credit for ending the legacy instead of on goosewing and igor adds that they'll probably end up writing a book about it and nanny also adds that there'll probably be a movie on top of that as well so this all prompts von goosewing to release the three and march them back to the castle so everybody well not everybody because until the hen is in there let's say igor Dracula. Nanny and Von Goosewing all return to the castle just as dawn breaks, because when dawn breaks, another story element, if you were to read the rest of these comics, is that when dawn breaks, the castle returns to Transylvania automatically. Once they return to Transylvania, Von Goosewing declares that their truce is over and leaves, vowing to put an end to Ducula one day. And that is the end of that story. But I didn't mention in the opening of this that this is and an, what is it? The anthology series. There's more than one story in this. So we have a second one. And let's get into that right now. This one is called Count Ducula in Lights, Camera, Traction. All right. So the story starts with Ducula running to Igor saying, I can do it. I can slam. I can knock him dead. All this talk of violence and the use of these particular words brings great joy to Igor until Ducula explains that he's been reading the Tinseltown Tatler and has decided to become a movie star. Attempting to prevent Ducula from making any brash decisions, Igor says, sir, there's something I must tell you, but it's too late because as he's in this sentence, Ducula has already jumped into the mystic coffin and transported the castle to Hollywood. So the castle lands them just across the street from the exact place Ducula was looking for, the Alfred Peacock Studios. 
Right away, a messenger confuses Duckula for a costume character and asks him to deliver a message to Alfred Peacock himself on stage 22. So Duckula, Igor, and Nanny head to stage 22, and they see Alfred Peacock directing his actor, Berg Reynolds. <laughs> so I had to take a breath there because it's not going to get any better. Duckula delivers the, mes- the message and notices that John the Duke Crane has agreed to take the role that Peacock is currently offering him. Nervous and having a bad feeling about the production, Bird Reynolds quits and walks out. Duckula steps in and offers to take over the role. Peacock looks him over and says, with some makeup and the right clothes, it might work. Sometime later, Duckula exits the makeup trailer, looking much like, though much shorter, like Bird Reynolds. John the Duke Crane arrives, and we quickly learn why Bird Reynolds has hightailed it as the Duke holds up a Tinseltown Tattler with the headline, Bird Reynolds and John Crane's Chick are Lovebirds. This is sounding a lot more obscure saying it aloud than it did when I was putting my notes together and reading this, but okay. So, all right, Bird Reynolds and John Crane's Chick are Lovebirds, and see, holding up that, the Duke proceeds to pummel Duckula. Duckula runs, wiping off the makeup and stripping off his costume, and he and Igor and Nanny run to the castle to return to Castlevania. Later, Duckula is putting his normal count clothes back on and checks himself in the mirror. To surprise, he doesn't see anything. This is the first time that Duckula is learning while Igor is, is explaining to him. He was trying to tell him earlier that he's a vampire and his image can't be captured and he has no reflection. So what Igor was trying to tell him was this whole attempt of being a movie star was for nothing. So Duckula is actually surprisingly okay with this because now he can pursue his true passion, tap dancing. So yeah, that is the end of that story, a shorter story than the first one. And that is the end of the issue. But of course, I made some notes a little bit outside of the story along the way. So let's go over those real quick. So the scene where Ducula and Igor are in the portrait gallery, uh, Ducula, his actual line about being uh, bored ends with, that's all I can stand, I can't stand anymore. And it's spelled M-O-O-R. And I am curious if that is a direct reference to American Werewolf in London. But again, not a whole lot. Believe it or not, there's no Duckula comic wiki, so I didn't get a confirmation on that. I just have to assume by the timing, which I think that was, I know it's an 80s movie. I think it's 1984. I think, I'm pretty sure it was before this this comic was published, so I think there's a strong possibility that that was American Werewolf reference, but I'm not entirely sure. There's a little bit of a giggle kind of in the third act of the story, uh, Dr. Von Goosewing follows, uh, when he follows them to Attila the Hen's camp he's the his exclamation and i i guess i should with the von goosewing you probably guess the character in the cartoon has a german accent so i've been reading it with what i remember his voice sounding like and there's a kind of a german uh language joke his exclamation is actu liberaci i thought i mean it's not good but uh i i wouldn't have thought to use liberaci as a exclamation although i no, I'm not going to go there. Um, there was another another joke, another uh, the, the the puns. That's the word I couldn't think of easy, uh, of uh, earlier. Probably the the biggest forced pun was because there was a dash put in the sentence to actually make a pun, and it's when Attila the Hun 
is yelling at the four of them, Goose Von Goosewing, Duckula, Nanny, and Igor running away. And he says, hey, I didn't order this meal to go. Hen dash men. So henchmen. So it's you, you can't even actually say it as a pun. You have to. It's a visual pun. So H-E-N dash C-H-M-E-N. The, every opportunity you could possibly get for a pun. A, 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 uh, I guess that's a foul. A foul. Foul, yeah, foul pun. I almost said full. That's the uh, that's maybe yours. A foul pun is used in this issue, issue and I imagine it goes through the entire run of this uh, comic. I can't imagine it not. The von. This, I almost said this, and then I realized it was in my notes when I was telling the sto- doing the story notes or reading the story notes. Von Goosewing calling out the truce. I actually double checked for this section of notes. There's no mention of a truce starting story wise. Maybe it was edited. Or maybe it was taken for granted, but it was it was one of those things where I like what when read and went, wait a minute, what did I did I where did I miss that they had a truce other than the fact that they would have to have one, I guess, to get away. So it's certainly uh what do you call it, uh, implied but never spelled out. And considering uh I get the target target audience for this, I was a little surprised that it wasn't completely spelled out in this instance. So now going into the second story, there's more Visual jokes here. There are a walking as they're walking through Alfred Peacock Studios through the back lot. There are bird versions of Tarzan, Dorothy, and the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. There's an astronaut. There's a Frankenstein's monster, an Indian, a cowboy. Just about, I think. No, no. Every character that is on this lot is uh, a bird version, except for King Kong. There's a King Kong there. He's still a giant ape. It's not a giant. Uh, like ostrich. That's the biggest bird I can think of. <laughs> Looking made it to look like a gorilla. The only thing that is not a bird in this entire panel picture is King Kong. The reveal of Duckula's image not being able to be captured that was odd. I kind of knew where this story was going because I, I don't know if this was a cartoon or not, or maybe it's been done as a another story with vampires in a comedic sense. But I, I kind of knew what the punchline was going to be. But I was expecting it to be done in Hollywood when they viewed the footage and then he'd be chased out of town by a bunch of angry executives. So going all the way back to Transylvania and then doing having him stand in front of a mirror after everything said and done in Hollywood and really the main crux of the story being mistaken identity between uh, Duckula and Bird Reynolds was not where I thought this story was going to go when... I saw him headed, the story was him heading to Hollywood. So that was a little strange. Uh, Last but not least for notes, as far as the comic goes, I had forgotten about this and I don't, I'm surprised it wasn't any of the other issues that I've covered, but I don't, I don't think any of the other comics I've covered so far as old as this. And that might be why, or I didn't notice it, but there is a big one page spread for sales leadership club. And anyone in my age range might not know the name, but they know what this is. This was one of those scam companies where they sent you a catalog and you had to go door to door and sell a bunch of stuff. And the stuff was different depending on whatever company was doing this. I remember the only time I ever got any details, and I don't mean I sent for details. The only time I ever saw any details in one of these was in a like a three-page ad for one of these. And they, the thing you sold was gift wrap and greeting cards. But the point is, the the more stuff you sold, you got, I guess, uh, in a sense, points. If you sold a number of items, you got to get one of these prizes. For instance, 
I'm looking at it right now. So for only selling 18 items, you could get a 40 by 40 tabletop telescope for 25 items, an executive telephone, 14 items, GE walkie talkies. I mean, this you, I think you're remembering with this. There's all kinds of crap, like a Mickey mouse clock, a calculator, watch a microscope, an inflatable raft, a bike. The bike was like, it's dead center. It's a big item. And it's only, you only have to sell 85 items. And there's the, there's a Walkman. Well, it's not a Walkman. It's a GE stereo headset cassette player. Of course, not brand name. Remote control car, a keyboard, and all all kinds of like junk. And I just, it's not all that different than selling candy and crap that they made us do in elementary school. Other than the fact that the school was organizing it because you got prizes for that as well for fundraisers. But you weren't raising funds for a school unless you're raising funds for a some kind of a corporation, a company. I don't even know if it was a corporation. So not something I was, I luckily ever fell for, though I could see me being tempted, especially by that 40 by 40 tabletop telescope, but never did. I don't recall if I ever actually tried or mentioned it to my parents, but I, I if I did, I could absolutely see my mother nipping that in the bud because she would know what this was right away and know and uh, yeah, put an end to that real quick, especially before she had to buy anything. But again, first time this has come up in doing this series, and it was in every comic that I had growing up in the 70s and 80s. So it was fun to see it again. But again, I think took advantage of a lot of little kids, and that's pretty grubby. So I did, uh, out of complete curiosity, I, I wanted to see if this particular company like survived into the internet age for internet uh, scans as well. But I didn't see anything uh, with this company's name, but scams like this, about a billion of them, uh, still exist. So that I'm not really surprised about. Anyway, let's get on to the rating. So from crummy to classic, this is rated a surprisingly not disappointing, but not rereadable. And if anyone's actually keeping track of this, we're going to call that about a 2.35. So I was happy to see this wasn't a complete, like, shot-by-shot, scene-by-scene comic adaptation of the cartoon. At least not these stories. Uh, definitely not the first one, I, as far as I can remember, at least. As far as I can remember these exact uh, stories. Maybe the Attila the Hen one was part of the first episode, but uh, that's not what I remember the first episode. And I don't remember the lights, camera traction one at all. So as far as I can remember, and again, I'm not entirely sure I've seen the entire series of Ducky. As far as I can remember, these didn't pe- didn't appear in the cartoon series, but this actually has the same problem that I have with most Simpsons and Futurama comics today. And that's that the characters are the same. The, the lines are close, but they're just short of matching that same feel and experience that the TV series has. And that makes sense. I mean, this isn't a cartoon. It's a comic. I mean, it, it certainly could be a lot worse, and it's not really all that bad. So all in all, I enjoyed getting through this one, but, you know, I am not going to be cracking these pages open again. So with that said, that is it for this episode. But, of course, that's not it for this month. There's another Matt's Crappy Comics Collection coming up on Patreon as an exclusive episode. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you'll get to hear that in just a couple of days. And that episode is going to feature Cinderella Serial Killer Princess Number 1. And yes, that is the title. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you're not going to want to miss this one. 
If you're not a Patreon supporter, but you'd like to learn what that actually means, it's real easy to find out. Just visit patreon.com slash Support starts at just $1 a month, and that'll get you access to the exclusive episodes of the series and all the things that we do and have done. You can go get all the past content as well for just $1 a month. If financial support is not your thing, we'd certainly appreciate a review on iTunes of not only this series, but the news as feed as well. That helps get new listeners and support. If you're not into writing reviews, if you could just give this post a like on our social media pages, uh, Facebook, uh, it's facebook.com uh, slash news as podcast. I forgot what I was trying to say there and news as on Twitter, a like and a share helps that mysterious algorithm show that post to more people and again get more listeners if you're not part of the social media pages if you could just tell a friend about the show that helps too getting the word out and getting people to listen is the biggest grassroots support help you can give not this show but any show they enjoy all right i think that is it i do of course need to say thank you for listening i'll be back next month on the general feed with another episode of matt's crummy comics collection so until then i'll say it again thank you for listening and i'll see you in that next episode we